how to conduct a church service. Now, let me back up because that's where I'm going to be today, but let's go back to where we are. We, we have just been learning about Jesus coming to the earth, and as he started his ministry, he went to a couple of what became the disciples and said, hey, I want you to come out of your boat. I want you to leave your boat, leave your job, and follow me. And they followed him and followed his ministry and watched him perform miracles, watched him teach, watched him eat, watched him sleep, was with him day and night, watched him go to the cross and die on the cross for our sins, pay that price. Three days later, saw him again, um, saw the holes in his hands, saw the hole in his side, and then he said, hey guys, by the way, I'm leaving. And uh, I'm not leaving you alone, I'm going to send you my spirit. And that's where we've been, is recognizing that Jesus in the flesh, the man, is no longer here, but we're still called to follow him, and we are to follow him according to his spirit. He sent us his spirit, placed his spirit in us. If we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have his spirit, right? So it has really been my focus for the last couple months is to kind of redirect our thinking in that we are to be focusing on the person of the Holy Spirit. The disciples' job was to focus on the man of Jesus, watch him, follow him, learn from him, see if what he does is proven to be true. And Jesus at every step proved himself true, proved himself faithful. And they began to learn, and he has now sent us his spirit, and as we are Christ followers, we don't have the man to literally follow, we have the spirit of that man in us, with us at all time. We're never alone, we're never forsaken, we're never forgot about, we've always got that power with us at all times, right? Are you with me? That's where we are. So we should expect that as we get to know the Spirit of God, as we begin to build relationship with the Spirit of God, that the power of God will come with that. If it doesn't, what's the deal? Do you hear me? The power of God should come with the Spirit of God. The problem is we have ignored or rejected or were ignorant to the Spirit of God, but looking for the manifestations and the stuff of God. And when we don't get it the way we think or it becomes something a little bit different, we wind up making it weird and confusing because we don't know the man. And the purpose is not to pursue the things of God, but to pursue God. The things of God will come and will be understood. It will not conflict. The power of God will not conflict the relationship, the spirit of God. Are you with me? So, unfortunately, there is so much confusion in the church according to the Spirit of God, the the moves of the Spirit. So, let me just say that it is the person of the Spirit should be our focus, and the outworking power of that Spirit should be a product or a result of that, that pursuit of the person, not the reverse. If our relationship with the Spirit is correct, we will line up with his word, with his kingdom authority, and with his church and church authority. There is to be authority in church. Do you know that? There is. It's good. It's according to scripture. But I want you to know, I felt like I really had a revelation this week, and I didn't share this first service, but it's a real simple statement. 
that the move of the Spirit is the move of God. The move of the Holy Spirit and the way that he moves is the move of Christ. Do you follow me? They line up completely, not conflicting at all. So when it is appropriate with the right knowledge and the right direction and in faith, when the Spirit of God moves, it does not um, contradict the Spirit of God. Would we ever reject Jesus? But we reject the move of the Spirit. And I believe it is just because of confusion and misunderstanding and a misuse. Anybody ever use things for the wrong reason? Not the way it was intended to be used? I do that all the time. I don't have the right tool for a product, so I use a knife or a something else. And I usually wind up messing it up. Or injuring myself. I did that, didn't I? Yeah. So, let's go back. Jesus left. The disciples were now left to do what? To carry on the ministry of Christ, right? Come on. Come on. We're alive in here. We're not dead. Right? Well, you're talking about the way to behave in church. The way to behave in church is it's okay to react. It's okay. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to be you. It's okay to be you. That's uh, that's a little you-ish. <laughs> so Jesus left. So what did the disciples do? They started setting up church. They started trying to carry on his ministry, and they set up church. And look what happened. The second that he set, they set up churches, there were issues. Book of the Bible, Revelation, started had letters to the churches. Hey, church, you're doing this pretty well, but you're kind of missing it here. Hey, church, you're doing it this pretty good, but you're kind of missing it here. Hey, you, church, there wasn't any that was left out. When people get involved in anything, we have challenges to kind of mess stuff up. Anybody ever have worked for a great company and then the leadership left and were replaced by new leadership? And it's like, he don't know what he's doing. Or he, that ain't the way we used to do things around here. And the moment someone comes in to kind of handle a group, the person comes with them. And we sometimes kind of mess stuff up. So here we go. Paul starts planning churches. The disciples are involved. And here we go. And all of a sudden, Paul's, Paul goes, whoa, 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 Corinthian church. You guys have got the spirit of God. Y'all got it happening. But, but I think I left a few things out. Y'all, y'all are kind of all running crazy. Let me give you some lanes to run in. It's okay. The Spirit of God's moving. He didn't necessarily rebuke him. He just said, hey, this is all happening. Here's the way to do this. Right? So, when you come into church, I want you to consider if an unsaved, unchurched person came in here, church on the hill, what would it look like? What would the outsider that's never encountered church in their life What would it look like? Let me just give you some examples. This isn't us. This is just to consider. Crazy? Hey, honey, did you see that person? Oh, my gosh, what are they about to do? What is that? Oh, my gosh, look at that. Whoa, look, look. Hey, honey, look, look. Would it be loving? Would it be judgmental? 
Let me tell you, people go into church every day and get judged. Would it be judgmental? Would it be forgiving? Does the church have the right effect on the lost or the wrong effect? Let me just share with you where I am because this is really exciting to me. Not because we can go put a bunch of structure in. And you all know I'm a structure type guy. But that's not what I'm after. I'm after the true freedom of the Holy Spirit to be able to move in power. And I believe the power has been removed from the church. And I believe if we will have order and pursue after God with everything that we have, he's going to bless us. Even in our mistakes and our challenges, he's going to bless it. So I'm not trying to stifle. I'm trying to open up. And I believe it is the Spirit of God leading me here. But when I say when the loss comes in here, I want you to know, I don't know why the Lord graced me to receive him at a young age. There are people in this world that were not brought up like I was brought up. There, were, there are people in this world that have not had the spiritual opportunities that you have had to be able to receive Christ. And I can't explain why. It's overwhelming for me to even think about the fact that I got to know the Lord at five years old and I've never been in a household that didn't love the Lord. It's not fair. Why me? Why you? Why do you get to sit here today? And for the most part, I believe everybody has made that decision for Christ. Why you? But I want you to know that if a lost person, if an unsaved person, if an unchurched person came in here, would they see God? Or would they want to reject what they see? Let me just explain. Some, a lost person comes in here and someone kind of wants to have an outburst of the Spirit. Spirit comes on them and we just have an outburst. And next thing you know, that person does not know that person. How many of you know sometimes uh, if you're sitting at the dinner table at Thanksgiving meal, you just know Uncle Eddie's going to uh, have an outburst. He's just going to have it. Hey, kids, this is what's going to happen. And whatever you do, don't bring up politics. Anybody have that crazy family member that if you bring up politics, the whole day's shot? So, but we know that person, we're like, we know him, he's okay. But this stranger doesn't know you. This stranger doesn't know me. And I want you to know that that young man or young woman or older man or older woman or child, their life may be hanging in the balance. That person, this may be their only opportunity. And your worship experience should not take away from that person being able to receive Christ. When we come into the church as a body, church, it's not about you. Your worship experience is not about you. It's about the Lord, and it's about us furthering his kingdom. Now, you want to have an outburst? Have it at home. Have it in the shower. Have it by yourself. Have it around people that know you. I want you to know uh, Pastor Justin and Pastor Zach know things about me. They just do. And they're like, give it five minutes. It'll go away. <laughs> just give him just a minute, and he'll repent, and he'll say he's sorry or not. 
Or same thing in my family, with my wife or with my children or with myself. They know me. They know me. They throw me off my schedule, I'm going to have a fit. I want to think that I can grow up and act a little bit better, but I don't always. But when I come in here, it is so vital to me as the pastor to make this place a place that is open to an unchurched person to be able to hear and receive the Lord. That includes my delivery, that includes the songs that we sing, that includes the announcements, it includes it all. That we do nothing to reject a person coming in here that needs to receive Christ. And if your experience is causing someone else to feel that rejection, I want you to just pray about it. The Lord will show you. And we're going to see in Scripture um, how this fits. And it's so awesome. Um, Like, for instance, uh, uh, let's see. I kind of got off track here for just a minute. Um, I want you to know that I I, I desire Church on the Hill to be a place where the presence of the Lord is where the Spirit of God can move, and where we can come together and celebrate what's been going on throughout the week. I want you to know that Jesus' ministry did not take place 100% in the church. In fact, it was a very low percentage. Most of his ministry took place outside of the church. Now, I want you to think about this. When we looked at, at this whole scripture on follow, Jesus said, come follow me, to the fishermen. There was also a situation where Jesus went and approached the tax collector. You remember Matthew? Matthew's in his booth taking up taxes, and Jesus walks up and says, Hey, Matthew, come follow me. And you know what he did? Scripture shows us he just got out of his booth and followed. Now, if some random person came into your job that you didn't know at all and said, Hey, I want you to leave what you're doing and come follow me, what would you do? No. I don't know you. You're crazy. You're nuts. But I believe that that tells us that Matthew knew what was going on in the ministry of Jesus or he would not have left that life of sin. He didn't even know it was a life of sin. Do you remember the tax collectors were ranked right up there with the sinners and the tax collectors? Why weren't lawyers? Where were they? I'm kidding. I love lawyers. Let me tell you, and Jesus is the advocate for us at the right hand of the Father. So that's just a joke. You lawyers out there, forgive me. We need you. Amen? Amen. Um, But I want you to know that Matthew knew what was going on with Christ. He knew of the things that were going on for him to leave what he was doing. But Jesus isn't here. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He has a job. He left, but he gave us his spirit. So how would a person in Matthew's position ever leave what he's doing to follow the Lord? How would that happen today? It would have to happen through you. Christ has to be an outworking of your life. For someone to follow Christ, they have to follow an example. And what example do you give? If you walked up to someone that was lost and in sin, in addiction, life falling apart, why would they follow you? Do you show the fruits and the outworkings of the Spirit of Christ? I'm so excited, and this is not an exciting message. (laughs) 
But most of our work, all these manifestations and the gifts of God and the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit need to be outworkings out in the world, and then we come together just to celebrate it. We come together to connect and hear about what problems that you had, give you some power and some juice and a recharge, and get back out there. This is not the place for everything in the ministry of Christ to be done. This is just a platform to send us out. Yet all, most, so many people are looking for it all to happen in here. Why is it in church that we can just go nuts, act like a lunatic? And if somebody gets on to us, they have a religious spirit. Is that true or is it not? And it's wrong. You wouldn't sit at your dinner table and have some crazy outburst. If I did that at my parents' dinner room table, they'd backhand me. Anybody ever been backhanded? I hate that word. It just sounds bad. But it's one of those, bap, and my mom could do it and pop me right on the mouth. And I'm telling you what, it worked. I quit doing that. What did I do? I did that. And she's done that more than once to me. Probably if I do it again, she'll do it again. I don't want that, so it's my choice. I can either have a backhand and have my fit, or I can not have my fit and not be backhanded. And it's embarrassing. She do it with, with friends in the car. <laughs> what the heck? I thought I could act like a doofus with my friend in here. How many of you know your kids like differently when they got support? <laughs> not my mama. She's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I had a wonderful mom. I, had a, I, have a, I have a wonderful mom and a wonderful dad. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. New Living Translation, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. When we gather together, there should be order. Now, I want you to know, that's godly kingdom order, which may not be the same as man's order. John Bevere talked about in this Holy Spirit teaching that whenever we come to the Holy Spirit for wisdom and we need answers, that we've got to be sure that we come unbiased. How many of you know that so many times when you're praying for wisdom and for answers, you're usually leaning towards something that you want? And do you know that we kind of even have that ability to get our inner man, our, our mind, to kind of talk ourselves into believing that this is God saying that he wants this for me? Anybody ever done that? But that if we will go in completely unbiased, give it all to God, and you know what? Whatever the result is, is better than what our result could ever be, our thought of our result. But we must go in unbiased, which means we've got to clear the slate on what godly order is and go to Scripture and allow the Spirit of God to show us what's right. Now, let me say, as we get into this, and it's going to be fun. It's not going to be a bunch of rules and stuff. It's going to be God's Word. I promise. If it's not, I'm open to correction. Do you hear me? But this Holy Spirit teaching talked to us about how the Spirit will confirm. He'll teach us. He'll lead us. And John Bevere in that book taught us that when the Spirit is, if you've got kind of a check, have you ever heard that, a check in your spirit? Something doesn't seem right. It feels like sandpaper. 
it just feels rough. It feels like it's, that doesn't fit. Or if, it, if the Holy Spirit is confirming, it's kind of velvet. Oh, that feels good. What is velvet? It's peace. I feel a peace. So as we're going down this road and we're talking about kind of the order of church and the Spirit of God and how the Spirit of God moves in church, if you get a check, ooh, wait a minute. Get in the Word, seek the Holy Spirit, and seek some godly wisdom. And let's get together because I can take us down a wrong road. How many of you know great people make bad decisions every day? Any of y'all ever made a bad decision with the right heart and the right uh, desire? Man, I do it all the time. So I'm not saying I know everything. I don't. But I'm saying, do you know that when, when the tabernacle was set up that the presence of God didn't come until all the pieces were in order? When the pieces were in order, the Spirit of God fell like a cloud on that place, so strong that the ministers couldn't minister. That's what I desire. That the Holy Spirit falls in this place so strongly that we can't do anything but just be in it. We don't need another sermon, we don't need another Bible study. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. So, where do we go from here? I want to encourage you to be praying for me, to be praying for my staff, to be praying for my deacons and the Sunday school teachers and the leadership of this church. Um, I want you to know I spent yesterday meeting with uh, three deacons and families to just discuss an area um, of question. It wasn't bad. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily good or bad. It was just, hey, we've just got some decisions to make. And I want you to know that I am seeking wisdom. I'm not some guy that's just going out here trying to lay down a bunch of rules. No. In fact, I don't want to be in this area long. I want to move on. But we need to know where is the playing field for a prophecy to come. Because we, Scripture says of all the things to desire, desire prophecy. But the church is scared to death of it. Oh, God. Sarah's got a word. Oh, no. Here we go. And if we have these avenues to know where to run... You may get a word in church and say, hey, the pastor said this is how this needs to work. Let me process step one, step two, step three. Yeah, yes, yes, okay. Just like Larry Smith this morning came and ran it by a pastor. He did it first service. I asked him to come again and give it again second service, and he did. The Spirit of God will move if we will get in line with him. Let me tell you, I'm just going to say it. Tongues are not bad. They're in the word. But the world and the church has made it this quacky stuff. How can it be in scripture and it be wrong? It's not. It's been handled wrong. So that's our desire. That's my desire is to give us the, the, the on-ramps and the lanes to know how to drive. Do you know if you didn't stay in your lane, you'd die? If you got on going the wrong direction, you'd get killed and hurt other people. Or try going off-road. Don't do this, but just imagine getting on 111 and going off the road. It's going to be bad. Paul and God's Word has given us clear, pretty clear instructions, kind of broad strokes, of how this is to fit. 
So go with me, church. The same thing with the baby crying. We love babies. I love babies. I've got four of them. But if it's going to disrupt from someone getting saved, please just step out for a minute and come back. We don't have a religious spirit. We don't hate babies. But that's how all of a sudden someone gets a label and you get a root of bitterness and you reject the church and you reject God and you reject his people and you reject his power over something stupid. We're not going to talk about babies anymore. That's it. Love babies. God's the author of life. He loves you and I, and I think he looks at every one of us just like that little baby with that complete affection and devotion and love. Think of what you've got, even when it's not even your own child, and that child gets in you all swaddled, and it's like, oh. God has that feeling for us 24-7. Will you go with me? I am after the power of God. I'm after the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm after seeing you just get lit up. Lit up by the Spirit of God. And being a change agent to our city. You. You. God's going to do it. Stand up with me and let me pray.